Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, deep fake videos. What are they? How to spot them? And why you need to be on guard against them before the election. Now, speaking of the election, how close are we to one day maybe being able to vote electronically right from our smartphones? We'll find out. All this and more coming up. President Trump and other politicians all around the world have been complaining for years about what they call fake news, which often turns out not really to be fake, but just something that's inconvenient from their political point of view. But there really is a lot of fake content being circulated online right now, including what's called deep fake videos that are created purposely to trick and manipulate you, and that could be used to try to influence the results of the upcoming election. University of Akron computer science professor and cybersecurity expert Dr. John Nicholas explains what they are and how they work. Deep fakes are created by artificial intelligence, and the way they work is they scan all available video, audio, and photos of, let's say, a popular figure, a presidential candidate, something like that. And then they take that and mimic the motions and they make a database of the voice patterns and all of that. And then the AI or an individual can then customize that to make it appear that this celebrity or this presidential candidate is saying something that they haven't really said. And these things are getting so good, it's very hard to tell the difference between an actual video and these deep fakes. So if they are so good, what can average regular people do then? The main thing is, I think you can trust your intuition a little bit yet because it's not perfect. And so everybody has a blink pattern when you watch somebody's mouth move and they're saying a certain word. Even if I insert a word that is very similar to that word, the mouth is not going to quite line up. Look for differences in shadows. Look for differences in angles of lighting because if they've taken uh, videos and merged them together from different times of day, the light is going to be different. So a lot of it is looking extra close now, but also using that instinctive piece that we all have built into us that if something feels funny, if something feels off about it, I would suspect it that way too. Obviously, what's the biggest issue right now is these deep fakes possibly being used to trick people before the election. So what's your best advice for people trying to be informed voters? First of all, if you watch something live as it happens, you can't deep fake yet a live video. So I would try to watch everything live as much as possible. And also I would be highly suspect of anything that comes to you in social media. I think generally speaking, the regular news outlets are not participating in this at all. In fact, they're trying to stop it. However, those who are politically motivated are putting these videos up on things like Facebook and Instagram, counting on people going, hey, see, I told you this person was a so-and-so and then sharing that fake video. So if something comes to you in social media, I would immediately go Go and check it with either Reuters or the Associated Press. And if you can't find it there, I would be very suspicious of that particular video or picture. And, of course, other reputable news organizations besides AP and Reuters. Right, right. Let's talk about deep fakes with regard. You mentioned audio recordings as well. You know, there are some banks that are using audio voice prints as authenticators for proving who you are when you call in. What about that? And that could be the next evolution of where deep fakes are, are being used for crime. If 
somebody were to hack into that bank and get your voice pattern and the artificial intelligence then could set up other voice recognitions with other banks much in the same way they can steal your personal data like your login or your password. So have you heard of this ever happening and if not what kind of advice then do you have for banks and big corporations that might be using this kind of technology? I haven't heard of that yet that just seems to me like that would be the next evolution watching how things go. Now, I know the banking industry is one of the most regulated besides the energy sector when it comes to cybersecurity. So my advice to any banks out there would be just have your IT and your security people and, in fact, all of your staff keep up to date on current cybersecurity best practices and keep that data particularly safe. If they're storing it, make sure that they encrypt it. And hopefully by now, all big corporations and all banks are encrypting all of their data. That's going to make it much, much harder for anybody who does get a hold of it to untangle it, unencrypt it, and use it. Meanwhile, the Trump administration is taking aim at how social media companies like Facebook and Twitter are enforcing rules about what can and can't be shared on their platforms. Larry Maggot, CEO of ConnectSafely.org, has more. President Trump, the Department of Justice, and some members of Congress are taking aim at social media companies, threatening to take away the protection that they currently enjoy under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which immunizes them against lawsuits from content posted by third parties, including their users. While some say that they're not doing enough to police their content, others say that they're censoring conservative speech. The services deny that, and a look at the millions of people who daily use these services to post conservative content gives credibility to those denials. It would be wrong to delete content advocating conservative views, but these services have no obligation to allow people to post unproven and dangerous health claims, anti-Semitic, racist, or sexist hate speech, or wacky conspiracy theories. More at ConnectSafely.org. I'm Larry Magid for CBS News. There's been a lot of news and concern lately about how to keep voters and their votes safe for the upcoming election during this ongoing pandemic. But what if there was an even easier, quicker, and of course, completely socially distanced way to do it? Here's a report from Fortune Magazine's Jeff Colvin on the possibility of electronic voting. As the U.S. frets about counting mail-in ballots in November, some say there's an easier way to hold an election, voting by smartphone app. We do hundreds of other things that way. In Estonia, voters have been casting ballots online for more than a decade. West Virginia has let overseas military personnel vote with an app. Two small companies, one called Votes, V-O-A-T-Z, and another called Democracy Live, claim they've built app-based voting tools that can thwart hackers and make sure voters are who they say they are. Microsoft has been working on voting technology for years, and earlier this year it tested some of its software during local elections in Wisconsin. The big problem is security. Online U.S. elections would be irresistible targets for sophisticated hackers, and while all the voting software developers claim their systems are completely safe, public officials haven't been willing to find out on a large scale in a real election. For them, the risks are far greater than the rewards, which means software firms aren't willing to spend much on developing the software. Election and security experts agree that Americans won't be voting Estonia-style anytime soon. Any tech upgrade will instead be incremental, they say, and online elections, if they ever happen, are decades away. Inside Business, I'm Jeff Colvin for CBS News. 
Next, we turn to climate change and changes in technology that could make a difference. The EPA is now proposing the first ever national safeguards for protecting Americans from industrial carbon pollution from new power plants. According to a new study from the National Wildlife Federation, power plants are the nation's single largest cause of climate change causing air pollution, pumping out roughly 2.4 billion tons of CO2 into the air each year, accounting for over one-third of U.S. carbon pollution. And until this recent proposal, there have been no limits to emissions from power plant smokestacks. More from Green Air Radio's Rich On. This enforcement will ensure that all new power plants are built with the most modern pollution control technology available. Specifically, the new standards will require industrial operations to shift electricity generation to power plants using modern technologies shown to produce less pollution. It will require new power plants to emit approximately 60% less carbon pollution than the average coal-fired power plant. And lastly, this action will tackle a major contributor to dangerous levels of asthma-inducing ground-level smog. But what if you want to do your part to help reduce carbon emissions and perhaps, in some small way, try to reduce the damaging effects of climate change? Is it possible that you could actually make a difference just by changing what you order online? Well, as Brian Cooley reports, Amazon is banking on the possibility that you might be willing to try. From boxes that are comically larger than their contents, to plastic bubble bags, to the huge amount of packing used to ship perishable items, it's bad. Amazon is launching a new label you'll see on their site soon, Climate Pledge Friendly. To qualify, a product must meet one of 19 mostly third-party certifications for being at least somewhat green. Also, Amazon is introducing a new certification called Compact by Design. It means a product that is designed and packed to have less excess air, water, and packaging bulk, making it smaller and lighter to ship and easier for you to deal with the packaging of. There's no direct financial incentive for making one of these choices, so I fear that most consumers may stay with their usual picks. Though if any year will sway habits, it's 2020. Know what's next at CNET. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net. <laughs>